2: Hey guys, this is Erica Ramirez, Senior Editor at The Board, and with me is Stephen Horowitz, who I have now just claimed as the official co-host of the Juice Podcast.
0: This is Stephen Horowitz with co-host Erica Ramirez <laughs> on the Juice Podcast. Uh,
2: so this week, not a lot happened on the R&B and hip-hop forefront, except pretty much Kim Kardashian being naked and Nicki Minaj's lyric video. Um, so Nicki Minaj dropped her lyric video to only, I believe it was the 7th, I may be wrong, but it was late last week. And since then, she and the director, Jeff Osborne, have been getting criticism for the Nazi, Nazism imagery used in the video, which the video director admits is actual nazism imagery and he is does not apologize because he did not do anything wrong and he told us that he told you that he nor the video are anti-semitic
0: but yeah i did i mean it it's really hard to say that it's really self-contradictory actually to say that you use nazi imagery and then say that it's not anti-semitic because they actually are one and the same. And if you use imagery to invoke a certain type of response, then you're using what that imagery stands for to evoke that response. And Nazism was really indicative of anti-Semitism right. during, you know, the Holocaust. History 101. <laughs>
2: um, well, he did, I think we, t- we, you mentioned this offline that he did kind of go a little deep into kind of wanting to mention like government issues within the video and like i can't remember exactly what he said but he really like went into it um at the end of the statement but i find it interesting because he started the statement by talking about the creative process and he said that the young money team just came up to him or let him know that what they wanted was something dark and ominous and that would kind of Go with or be influenced by Sin City, and I can't remember the name of the.
0: The second one was Metapocalypse so There
2: you go, um, which Nikki on Twitter said. You know, she did say that they were influenced by that. She didn't necessarily say that Young Men. It came from Young Money, so it's. I mean, it's. I don't know. I mean, it. I think what made it worse is that he, like you said, kind of contradicted himself, and said that it's that it is. Using Nazi imagery, but it's he's not anti-Semitic. So it's like, okay, dude, like...
0: I mean, I could see him say, I could, I'm sure he's not anti-Semitic. And he used his art to, uh, to kind of get a response from the viewer, which he did. Right. Which, I mean, if artists intended to provoke a response, then he definitely did it. But he kind of did it, at least in my opinion, with really cheap means. I think it's really unfair to use things that have such a loaded history and such a loaded connotation in order to make a point. Right. um, I mean, that's all where interpretation comes into play, but that's also, you know, what art criticism is all about.
2: I think also why this song, (laughs) like it's, you know, the actual song lyrics are not, I mean, he said that it's to show that Young Money is like this regime and then kind of went off on all that other stuff. But like... This video is, I mean, the song is about, it's a lyric video. It's not the official music video also, which is crazy. I feel like Can't wait to see what that looks exa- like. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they will be more careful with that one. But um, the song, like we said on, I think the last episode of the podcast, the song is about fu- Wayne, never Drake and life, Wayne wanting fuck to fuck I'm Nikki and I'm Nikki, now, and now, Nikki wanting to make sure that everyone knows that like like and company. that she hasn't. And then this video, this lyric video comes out and it's just like, you couldn't just hold that for another time where it's more specific to the actual words. It yeah. was very...
0: It did seem really out of place. And I think that's probably the most offensive part of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> that they made a, a video invoking anti-Semitic <laughs> images with a song that's about fucking.
2: <laughs> I was going to talk about Kim Kardashian's naked photo shoot, but...
0: There's nothing more hip-hop than Kim Kardashian.
2: <laughs> um... But also because there was a lot of, I think when the full frontal photo, um, when paper kind of released that one yesterday on Wednesday, there was a lot of, oh, she's a mom talk. And I thought about Lord's tweet when she retweeted like the first round of photos and just ended the, or all she said on the tweet herself was mom. And people took it as like her saying, you know, something negative to to the point that she's a mom. She didn't be out here like that. But I don't know. I don't know if I. I kind of took it as like she looks this good and she's a mom. Not, I don't know. Yeah. I don't see Lord just going out there like that. Well, also, Naya
0: t- Rivera had a very shady oh, Instagram comment. Tweet. She said something. She commented on Instagram, and of course, that the thirst mongers of Instagram <laughs> were trolling the comments, and they saw that she said. I, normally, I wouldn't do this, but dot dot dot, you're somebody's mom. Oh, God. Which is the same exact thing that Lord essentially said. Um, I don't think that it's bad at all. If you got it, flaunt it. What's right. the difference between, I don't know, uh, it's someone covering Playboy versus She's also Kim Kardashian covering. Paper, paper, yeah. papers, magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember because I was too busy looking at Kim exactly. to see what magazine it was. No one
2: read the story. No shots at paper, but like look no at, shots n- at all. No. They're great magazine. Exactly, but I didn't. I have yet to read the story. Also, I joked and said that if I had that body, I would rock around naked all day. But it's just like, I mean, also everyone has a way of parenting, and I highly doubt that she thinks that this is something that will affect North. And it's also I. There was people talking about how the fact that this concept probably came from uh, Kanye because Kanye did something similar when he was with Amber Rose with the same photographer.
0: Yes, but, (laughs) I mean, to me at least, this kind of brings up the discussion of uh, art versus pornography and what's the difference. And, like, I think Kanye's been the biggest proponent for turning pornography into art, so to speak. Like, when I look at those pictures of Cam, I see art, I don't see horn I don't right I'm not offended by it I'm not like aroused by it or anything well. like that <laughs> now that this is on wax <laughs> I might regret saying that um but I yeah I mean I thought it was very tasteful I thought it was trying to capture like the kind of 80s aesthetic of the vibe that they were going for right. or whatever and they did it really well it was clever I, I thought it was like a brilliant Uh, display.
2: If it was someone else, would you consider it porn? Or is it because it's Kim and it's connected to Kanye? We know how Kanye is, or his um, look at art.
0: No, I think it would... uh, I I don't know. I I mean...
2: Not if it was... I can't imagine if
0: it was anyone else. If it was, say, well, let's just say it was Khloe Kardashian who did it. I mean, I think the response would be very different, obviously, but Kim is known for how she looks. Mm -hmm. She... um, Well, I mean most of her fame comes from the fact that she looks like she does. So, (laughs) I... What
2: put?
0: (laughs) I mean, I was just shocked that her butt was so big. Did you say her boat? Her butt. Well, I mean, you could call it a boat.
2: (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I was surprised and not surprised, but, I mean, she looks good with or without clothes. And like I said, I mean, and you said, if you got it, you, you should want it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Props to Kim K.
2: Aww,
0: I I don't even she like her, and broke, I thought it she was. She definitely good.
2: broke the internet as they uh, had planned to do.
0: I love how self self congratulatory that <laughs> that cover <laughs> line was. They're just like, we're going to do this.
2: <laughs> I mean, why not? Yeah. So something else that happened this week to you, at least, is you watched the <laughs> Lifetime film, A Rough Draft.
0: A rough draft. Of the uh, lifetime I will say film that it's basically the finished version. It, it's airing this Saturday, I believe of the Aaliyah which documentary is tomorrow or not the
2: Aaliyah documentary I guess it's a it's a short, biopic right
0: um it's exactly produced by Wendy Williams mm-hmm. um and there are so many problems with this film mm-hmm. I don't know where to begin mm-hmm. um I should preface it with the fact that I am an enormous Aaliyah fan yes, as you are. many people our age are, and yes. i you know a lot of celebrity deaths happen, but everybody has the one that was the most. Hurtful or and that Aaliyah resonated the most, and Aaliyah spring. was that for me. I really loved her. I thought that she was just. I when it happened, it was just like, I you just couldn't believe that it would happen to someone like her. Right. And so in the film, I mean, the first off, the music part was is probably one of the more problematic aspects. Oh, and that sucks. Well, so Barry and Jomo Hankerson, who uh, buries her uncle. Um, he runs Blackground Records and he got her her first record deal and put out her records. Um, they own, I, th- I want to say, and this is speculation, that they only own the r- publishing rights to her first album, mm-hmm. which is "Aging Nothing But a Number, came out in 1994. I, I, I just want to review. Give, so us,
2: <laughs> give, us a, give us a history lesson. And then
0: um, One in a Million came out after that. Mm-hmm. And none of that music was featured in the film. Wait, none of what? One in a Million
2: wow
0: or the album after that which was Aaliyah yeah Um, so and that's I I assume I I think you can only rightfully assume that they didn't get the rights for it Um, yeah I don't know who owns those rights that's a very um, questionable I I don't know that's like in limbo I have never really known that actually why you can't listen to those albums on Spotify or download them in iTunes but I feel like it has to do something with the fact that it's not owned by Blackgrounds yeah that being said, instead of using songs from those albums, they chose to use covers that Aaliyah performs during her, during her lifetime and career, such as Bobby Brown's My Prerogative and Marvin Gaye's Got to Give It Up. They, they really kind of skated around the fact that they couldn't use the music, and it was so obvious.
2: Why couldn't, and I, the actress's name is not coming to me, but if she performed the actual Is it songs, Alessandra?
0: Is that her name, Alessandra?
2: I don't know. I I stopped. I sh- not shamelessly stopped listening to all news after <laughs>
0: <laughs> after this Zendaya Coleman. Yeah, it's cuz that situation. was just a
2: little crazy, but if she would have performed the songs on the actual film or recorded them or like she as did. covers, okay.
0: I uh, and you know her voice is capable. It it vaguely resembled Aaliyah's. But I will say that she did do a standout job of portraying Aaliyah, because I went into the film already hating it, Um, (laughs) but that was one of the brighter moments of it. I thought that she was pretty delightful, and I thought she really captured her spirit and energy very well. The rest of the cast, on the other hand... Oh, Jesus.
2: Oh, you also... Go ahead, because I saw you tweet... No, I saw you tweet a photo of who played Missy and it just kind of broke I, my heart.
0: I, I had to delete because, you know, <laughs> those screeners, <laughs> I had a change of heart. I never know if you can get in trouble.
2: Aw, you pulled the Chris Brown and deleted your tweet. Okay. <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, it was up on my Twitter for about five minutes, so it didn't hurt anyone. Okay. Um, that being said, the casting was so gravely misinformed. Timbaland and Missy Elliott, number one, were... It was just laughably miscast. Um, Missy looked nothing like herself. Timberlands looked nothing like himself. Keep it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: Mind that they, Missy was known for being larger back then. She's very slim now. Yeah. Tim was also larger back then. He's yeah. more muscular now. Yes. And those the actors that they chose were very skinny, and didn't look anything facially like them. And they gave Missy e. Elliott um, Adidas uh, track uh, track suit, which she didn't start wearing until her Under Construction album. Meanwhile, when they appeared in the film, it was 1995.
2: This is so great. You're so great. Right it was now.
0: so bad. <laughs> and on top of that, um, the guys who played R. Kelly and Damon Dash looked n- nothing like the. The guys. Their their characters, right. um, and I uh, I mean I think Nia Long played Gladys Knight for like a second. I will say she was pretty good, but Nia Long's it's a real Nia actress. Long. <laughs> <Nia Long. laughs> but um, they focus a lot on R Kelly's marriage to Aaliyah, and R Kelly married Aaliyah when he was 28 and she was 15, and back then that was a big issue. And in the film they address the fact that it's a big issue, but they portray R. Kelly as someone that you should sympathize with, someone that the parents forcibly remove her from, and he's, he's somehow a victim implicated in this. I think you can say Oof. in light of the allegations that seem pretty factual at this point yeah. um, against R. Kelly, it was very irresponsible of the film's director to portray him in that light. Um,
2: I wonder whose call, uh, I I mean, I I wonder who else was in hand to having that story told that way, other than just the director.
0: Well, the problem was the family was very vocally adamant about not wanting the film to move forward because they were not given an opportunity to have any input. Right. So basically, this is all conjecturing from Barry and Jomo uh, and whoever else read the biography that the movie is based upon.
2: So the only good thing is that Alexandra is uh, acts well in the film. The girl that plays Olivia.
0: Yes. <laughs> 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 she acts well. I thought you said "acts well" as in A X W E L. No. A-X-W-E-L-L. Acts. Okay. She acts well. My Spanish. If you're gonna, I mean, it's a lifetime movie. So what are you gonna expect? It's mm-hmm. all melodrama, all gossip. Um, right. But I think the limitations on it, on the production ends. And the directorial choices throughout the whole thing just really make it a, a piece of crap.
2: You mentioned that you had, you were a little frightened to even watch to begin with, and you were not really, you did not co sign the idea of there being a lifetime biopic of her. Why do you have those thoughts? Is it because the family wasn't involved?
0: Yeah, I mean, the drama surrounding it was, it was just really bad like Zendaya being in it and then dropping out because she thought that it wasn't being handled. Um,
2: As it should. It, yes. it, well, she,
0: I think the exact quote was it wasn't being handled delicately. Mm-hmm. And then the family released a public statement and you know, the same thing happened when, uh, Barry and Jomo tried to do the posthumous Ali album with Drake right. and 40. They were very against it. Even now today, Rashad, who's Aliyah's brother still goes on Twitter and denounces this film. Um, And then once I heard Wendy Williams was getting on board, I just abandoned Hope, (laughs) which is no shots to Wendy because I love her, but I don't think she's the right person to be executive producing a movie like this when she herself has gossiped about Aaliyah throughout her entire career. Right. So.
2: Well, this all makes me very sad.
0: It's unfortunate. I really wish that they'd made a film like the crazy, sexy, cool TLC story that VH1 did.
2: That was a great. I thought it was a very tasteful film. That was a great. And
0: it was well done. On VH1, which, like, you wouldn't expect that. Shots fired.
2: <laughs> Shots very much fired on VH1. Um, Dear VH1, that wasn't me. That was Horowitz. But, no. yes. No, that was a great – I remember watching that film I'm um, on VH1 twice when it first aired and then right after when they did the rerun. <laughs> yeah, I
0: thought it was good. I, I remember, like, tearing up at one point maybe. Aww. <laughs> I did not tear up not tear during up. <laughs> the Liam movie.
2: You just yeah. got angry. Yeah. That's sad. But you know what also you did amazingly right now is transition to TLC because um, Saturday marks a 20 year anniversary of Crazy Sexy Cool, which I think I've said before on the podcast was like the second album I ever bought. The first one was Brandy's self-titled album. And I'm a huge fan. Still am of Crazy Sexy Cool. Clearly still listen to it. I know you do too. Um, I don't know. I think it it, it does feel like 20 years, and I feel like um, T-Boz and Chili have talked about it a lot, especially because that was um, a huge album for them, but going back and listening to it, it's just, it's like bittersweet to hear Left Eye, because I think that's when she kind of came into her own, is on that album. I mean, I think that they all, three of them did, but... I'm just thinking back of the videos with like waterfalls and how impactful that was and all that. But I'm trying to think of like the most memorable thing from that album, whether it be videos or songs. I'm trying to think. I don't know if you have like a moment or moments about that album that stick out.
0: Well, I think overall, uh, before talking about anything in particular, I, they had just done we won the TLC tip a few years mm-hmm. prior they were teenagers they, they dressed like uh, the 90s like threw up on their, their clothes and like like right. s- paint splattered everywhere overalls and, like, condoms yeah, they, yeah so. they were they were advocating safe sex and all this stuff and right. they were they were really positive they had a really positive approach and message and this is the album where they became women and right. like they grew they turned into women right before our eyes like the waterfalls video is very grown up right and very, it's artistic too. And but I, I think you know, they got kind of classier. They they went from being like very street oriented to you know infusing it with a bit of cl- like, more mature and and uh, like, I don't know. I don't want to say high class because that's not right. But like, more um, like professional.
2: It, it was it was the album where they kind of became women especially compared to their last album like you said yeah so i think that's what makes kind of all the songs and the videos a little bit more real because they were in that phase in their lives
0: definitely i mean take a look at the video for creep they're wearing satin pajamas midriffs everywhere and um, they're like in the bedroom. They're like <laughs> inviting you into their their world. Because a
2: red light special,
0: red light special
2: was also great. Yeah,
0: but I, I think um, I waterfalls, which was a huge hit for them. Uh, yeah. Maybe their biggest after No Scrubs, I want to say.
2: Wow, No Scrubs was also very huge.
0: Yeah. But it was one of their biggest, but I mean, it was, it tapped into something that was very deep and real that many R&B artists weren't doing at the time. And uh, when you said like most memorable moment from the album, I think of that, like...
2: Waterfalls? Yeah. You,
0: they're singing about a guy who's dying from from AIDS. And, right. And uh, I like... A lonely mother staring out of <laughs> the window. Oh,
2: are you gonna? See? <laughs> <laughs> you gonna Just break like out?
0: Very to... real tales. They right. like were t- they were singing about real stuff. Yeah. And I I don't think a lot of R and B artists at the time, like Brandy's debut came out that year. She was singing about like being with her best friend, and like right. it was very cutesy. <laughs> there weren't many artists who were doing
2: yeah
0: R and B at that level.
2: No, I think Crazy Sexy Cool definitely impacted me a little bit more than brandy because of the stories that they were telling and i think i probably could relate more to brandy than to tlc because i was uh very shy and introverted uh you? look at me now <laughs> <laughs> but it's the story that like tlc set, told in in their album that was just like oh that's that's real like that's real life like you know like digging on you like liking a guy at a barbecue and trying to talk to him or him talking to you. Like and like you said, like Waterfalls was actually very super real. And it also kind of reminded me of like what salt and Pepper were doing when their second album, I believe, came out where it's kind of – but it was for our generation. Right. So that was very much why that album was very imp- impactful. And it just like left eye on it and her raps wasn't like anything to play with either. I feel like she – used to say how she wanted to be like the, the tough one, but she also had this like softness to her that I think you also heard throughout that album also.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think the image too really belied the kind of hard approach to rapping that she took. Like yeah. as much as she tried to be hard, she was kind of like the baby in the group.
2: Yeah, that makes me sad. I don't want to end the podcast on it. On well, we can talk about Azalea Banks. Oh, yes. Yeah. So well, you reviewed her album when she came out last I did. week. And she
0: surprised dropped last Friday,
2: last Friday. Um, it got, a, your review got a lot of compliments. That's nice. Zayla Banks' album got a lot of compliments. I, I heard did. It's really good. I,
0: I complimented it.
2: Yes, you did. Um, it was
0: good. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were a lot of elements that she funneled in. This is not something that I said. This is something that, uh, I think Maura Johnson said in her review for the Boston Globe. She mm-hmm. said that no other artist out there sounds so much like right now. And I think that's because Azalea is a really powerful visionary. She looks at all these different genres and somehow fits it into this great uh, this great body of work. like there's so much going on in that album, but she ties it all together very very seamlessly. It doesn't seem like she belabored over these tracks to get them perfect. They, they just sound so much like her, and they sound so much like now um,
2: the but what? So what kind of elements do you hear? Because I heard a lot of like '90s, like, the,
0: like a there's new wave. Yeah, there's '90s house music. There's um, witch house, which is a kind of like a tumbler uh, genre of music. Mm-hmm. There's um, there are like elements of EDM, but not really. Uh, what else is there? Um, there's like retro surf pop. She has on this horrible song called "Nude Beach a Go Go." I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I have to bring in the negative.
2: yeah. This- Talk
0: <laughs> <laughs> she sings in Spanish on the song called Gimme a Chance. She has like a very crackly um, piano sample that you would find in hip hop or like underground New York hip hop so that you, sets off Desperado.
2: Were you surprised because of how she of her social media persona, or were you surprised because of the actual music that she put out before? Because you've been a fan of Azalea Banks' music.
0: I've I've always been a fan of Azalea yeah. Banks' music. I'm surprised that someone who you dislike so much because of their social media presence and their persona mm-hmm. as a whole could make something that makes you forget about that. Right. And like now, I, I don't know if I hate Azealia Banks as much as I did the day before the album drops.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, you're such a hater sometimes. It's funny.
0: I can be, but, <laughs> but this is a really good example of art speaking for the artist. Right. And another great artist that does that is Kanye, who's like a total jackass. But we love him because his music makes us forgive that. Right. So, I mean, props to Azealia Banks. She's killing it.
2: I just want her to still do great things. I want
0: her to be great because she's shown that she's capable of greatness. Right. So, I don't know. Time will tell.
2: shout out to Azalea Banks
0: shout out to Azalea Banks come stop by the the billboard offices whenever you want
2: (laughs) now now that she (laughs) come hop on this podcast (laughs) so now that you're co-hosting you can just invite everybody over don't you Um, okay well I think that wraps up this episode of the Juice Podcast till next time
0: till next time